Do you live in the middle of nowhere and feel separated from the church? Yeah, that's me. Or do you think the church is out of touch? Absolutely. Then this podcast is for you. Coming to you from the Diocese of Sioux City. What? Where the hell is Sioux City? Welcome to Outcast Catholic with your hosts, Father Shane Demon and Father Travis Crotty. Everyone, welcome back to Outcast Catholic. I'm Father Travis Crotty. And I'm Father Shane Demon. It's good to be back with you, Father Shane and listeners. I have been traveling all over the diocese, as usual, and I've met a number of podcast listeners, so I don't want to start trying to name people because then I'll forget like five, but met some folks in Storm Lake, met some folks in Boone County recently, and in Remsen. So that was it's good to meet all of you. I'm really glad that you're all listening, but as I tell everybody, I said, you got to write in and tell us... Give us some topic ideas, you know, um, Father Shane. You're not you're you're never running out of ideas. You always have fresh ideas. Um, I keep a list in my phone. You have a nice list. I just keep running a, a running list. Yeah, you notes. always have lists. You ha- you have wonderful, uh, you know, um, your confreres at the seminary. You know, f- you know, formators and whatnot that you can glean ideas from. And I'm just running all over the place, a little discombobulated. I just need some ideas sometimes, but nobody's ever writing in and giving us those ideas. So. Um, we're happy to keep sharing uh, our thoughts, but we'd love to hear from you listeners um, what you're, you're receiving from our conversations and maybe some different topics you'd like us to talk about. But it's been wonderful to run into some of you out and about at various Theology on Tap-esque uh, things. So yeah, that's been good. Father Shane, what have you been up to? Well, we have finished evaluations and we've got the uh, congratulations the for St. Louis this coming uh, Saturday followed by graduation the following Saturday. So we're wrapping up the school year here in St. Louis. The diaconate uh, or the priestly um, ordination? Diaconate ordination. Oh, yeah. Then the guys. St. Louis. And then the St. Louis guys kind of spend that last week as deacons in the seminary, right? Right. Doing liturgies and preaching and things like that. Right. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. So it's a fun time of year. It's a busy time of year, but it's really fun. Well, good job Lots getting through that first uh, season of evaluations. That's that's a good, uh, yeah, good move there. That's great. Yeah, I think the rector and I did 90 evaluations starting February 15th through the end of April, but it was great. I mean, it's intense uh, doing a 30-minute panel discussion for each man late into the evenings, but you get to learn an awful lot about a man's you know discernment and his, his own formational growth. So do it's a real have, privilege. That's sacred have, ground to be learning about all of these men. It is. I was just gonna make a dumb joke, but when you said something serious, do you guys have like a like a nice like you know kid size like basketball hoop in the priest lounge that you like slam dunk with a Nerf ball after everyone is done? That might be a helpful no. just kind of way to you know work through those. You know, that'd be great. No, we ha- we don't have any Nerf uh, in the basketball priest lounge. Hoops. We don't have any Nerf balls, but basketball we could start okay. something. We that could. Might be a good we, idea. we could find a way to just release some of some of the built up energy or something. That's right. That'd be good. So, Father Shane, I was out and about in the diocese, and I recently went to um, Remsen, Iowa, uh, you know, little Luxembourg, capital mm-hmm. of the world. Uh, they're sure. just in Plymouth County, close to Lamar's, um, where I talk about so often, and Remsen, St. Mary's, as one of the most beautiful churches in our diocese. It's yeah, a lovely community. Beautiful Gothic church, and now with this combined community of Most Holy Name of Mary with Remsen and Marcus, they had... Uh, something of a theology on tap called Fueled by Faith. And, you know, in preparation for it, folks sent me some questions. And a lot of the questions were these 
common questions, common kind of topics that are floating around in Catholics who are maybe plugged into Catholic news or know kind of things that are going on in the world, right? So some of those, they might be various bishop conferences around the world or maybe different hirings or decisions that are made at the level of the, the Vatican with the, with the Curia and the Pope, maybe a motu proprio letter that the Pope sent out or different issues in the church. But then also people kind of struggling with different issues in, in the culture you know, at large. What I've noticed just talking to a lot of folks going around, a lot of people will say, as we've mentioned before here on the show, a lot of people will just say, wow, Father, the world is crazy. The world is crazy these days. We got crazy things happening, right? We got crazy things in politics. We got crazy things with morality in the world. We have all these different, you know, crazy things. And then people will point to the church and say, there's all these crazy problems in the church. There's a lot of kind of anxiety that surrounds these big macro problems in the life of the church and the world. And I've just noticed that this becomes a place of great stress for the average outcast Catholic out there trying to get by trying to grow in holiness yourself, trying to live the liturgical life, trying to raise your family in the faith. There's big questions that are floating around. But what I proposed at the... Uh, Father Taylor has been annoyed with another one of our words, Father Shane. He's been annoyed with me saying propose too often. It's coming from CL and Father Giussani saying propose all the time. But I haven't picked up on that. Sorry, well, Father Taylor. So, sorry about that one. Anyways, what I offered <laughs> to the folks at the fueled by faith in Remsen uh, just a week ago or so, was the idea of the church's teaching on subsidiarity when it comes to social doctrine and the social life of the church, how the church invites us to live in the world, live in the community of humanity. Uh, There's a number of these different social doctrines that the church has upheld and that in different moments has emphasized in in the world, right, according to different issues going on rights of workers and how people are treated, upholding human dignity. But this idea of subsidiarity is often you know, thought of in the context of the political world, right? The idea that we want to take care of problems or take care of issues or make decisions at the most local level first, right? This is why there are, in politics, right, we have a, a city council, we have a mayor of a town, we have a county with its various you know, political entities. We have state government and then federal government, right? And uh, a lot of people, I think, you know, uh, in the in the Midwest don't like the idea of big government kind of controlling everything and especially maybe even like big church governance controlling everything, right? If they're feeling that kind of tension of parish mergers and things like that. So people are usually pretty happy uh, to talk about subsidiarity when it comes to how other people should kind of govern the, the world, right? That we should make decisions at the local level first and not have some just like kind of, you know, high reaching kind of federal office that are making decisions for people on the local level. Father Shane, I think that that same principle should be applied to these big issues and problems in the life of the church. That instead of getting swallowed up with anxiety, thinking about these big issues in the church that are often just given to us in little sound bites or, or headlines in the news, that we should really... I mean, the, the, the gospel offers and this season of Easter offers is that we should really focus on our own relationship with Christ. If we're married, our relationship with our family and Christ's presence in our you know, domestic church. And then from there, our parish. That should really be the main focus, right? That this parish, 
that I am entrusted to, where I find myself, that God has made himself present. He's made himself present through the priest who's there, through the baptized faithful, through the sacraments that are present, through the Eucharist, right? And we all know that there needs to be, you know, life built up in our communities, better catechesis, better liturgical expression, better community, right? We see people leaving the faith all the time, and we know that our parishes could be better, but often we get so concerned with these big issues in the church. So the thought is this, and I'm curious what you think about it, as always, that we should really focus on ourselves, our relationship with Christ. We should focus on our families, focus on our parish. And if we have any energy left, you know, after, after really trying to build up the kingdom of God in our own homes, in our own hearts, in our own parishes, then we should think about the diocese, right? It doesn't really seem like there's, there's room to really like worry and care about these big, huge issues that we can't really change, right? No matter what we kind of like worry about the German bishops, stress about, tweet about, I can't, I can't change anything that's going on in another country in Europe, right? That doesn't mean these things aren't important. And I'm not just pushing these things away. These are important issues in the life of the church, these big problems that come up or big problems in the world. But to be swallowed up by anxiety with that isn't helpful. And what does Christ offer us? He offers us companionship at the most local level in our own relationship with him, our families, our parishes, diocese. What are your thoughts? Well, it's, I think it's a helpful analogy, and it's nice to draw this principle of subsidiarity, and I think you defined it well, that you know, decisions of leadership, decisions of government, or, or governance should always be made on the lowest level possible. So we don't ask the federal government in Washington, D.C. to figure out if a particular town in Iowa is going to get a new traffic light, right? There, there, there's a lower level of, of decision-making that needs to address those things. And the same is true in church. The same is true in in large corporations. Um, You know, the corporate board in New York City is not determining what is happening in the cafeteria of every local little factory across the Midwest, right, Uh, for the lunch break. Um, So, yeah, I think that can be applied, especially when we're talking about people's spiritual lives. There is a sense that we want to have an eye to the greater whole, right? That's part of being a Christian, right? We belong to the local community, we belong to you know our own personal relationship with God, but we belong to the whole as well, the universal Catholic Church, and, and we belong to the local church expressed in the diocese, and we belong to the whole of over the one billion members of Catholic Christians throughout the whole world, um, united by the Holy Father in Rome. So obviously, we keep an eye towards you know belonging as, as one body of Christ, but as you point out, it's not helpful in the spiritual life to let anxiety about things that are beyond our control work us up into a frenzy that robs us of our peace. I mean, there's just a spiritual principle there um, in terms of not letting your peace be robbed by something outside of your control. Um, You know, because you you just don't want to sacrifice your peace. You don't want to sacrifice the intimacy that that you enjoy with God. But then specifically in terms of the principle of subsidiarity, what is it that is in your control? You can certainly pray and intercede for things going on in the diocese, the nation, the world, even as it affects the church. And uh, it is nice to know what the Holy Father is saying in terms of you know particular intentions for the month, emphases given, given to the church. It's nice to have an eye to those things. But then the question always becomes, well, what is within my control? What is my sphere of influence? 
how do I implement what is happening on a global level or a, a national level on a local level first? Um, you know, how, do, how, does the, how do these bigger themes impact me? Because if I can't implement it here, if I can't find traction with it here in my daily life, well, then why spend the energy getting all flustered about it on a national or a global level? Yeah, you make a really important point that we can't just think that the whole Catholic Church is our individual little community. I've mentioned that before. I think the different family members I have and friends I have who've left the church, either for Protestant communities or for just kind of a secular way of life, it's often been because the only experience of maybe Catholic Christianity that they've had in a real way is their small home parish, right? And for better or for worse, you know, you know everybody there, everybody knows you, but maybe if it's been a lackluster experience of catechesis or formation of the faith or whatever it might have been that kind of made you, you know, not so excited to be a part of it or the hypocrisy that folks who feel outcast from the faith often point out. They say that, like, everybody kind of acts like they have their stuff together and then outside of church, they act differently, right? So it's really important, as we've said before, and it's been so important for me um, when you took us on a pilgrimage um, to Rome and to experience the church in that way when I was able to go study Spanish in Guatemala and experience the church in that way and just recently go to that mission trip in Honduras and then just traveling around the country with different priest friends, uh, seeing people in their different parishes and experiencing the church as universal and not just simply kind of isolated. But as you said, Father Shane, in one of our first episodes, right, the provincial life is a really graced place that God invites us to that he doesn't invite us to, sometimes he does. Sometimes he invites saints to make big moves, right? Catherine of Siena, whose feast day we just celebrated recently, she directly wrote to the Pope and, you know, kind of demanded that he move back from Avignon and come back to Rome, right? And if you're at Catherine of Siena's level of mysticism, then maybe you can write the Pope and request, you know, whatever, something from him. But she was also, you know, praying and fasting for him. But you think of all these other saints, and in the, in the life of the church, there have been problems, and I know people don't like to hear this, but it's true. There have been lots of big problems, a lot worse than what we're experiencing right now, right? It, it, papacy and different aspects of the life of the church, right? But in the midst of that, there was always saints. There was always saints because in some ways, they didn't even know about some of the problems that were happening in the Vatican or different problems that were happening throughout the world. They were focused on their relationship with Christ and their own community, right? Whether they were a religious sister, a monk, in their you know a family in their community. They were focused very intentionally there. Um, so that just seems to be the same move for us. Uh, what I offered <laughs> as kind of a challenge that was also to myself, I said one of the best things that happened in the past few years is a friend of mine, a religious sister, encouraged me to get rid of Facebook because I used to waste a lot of time on Facebook. And I know now more than ever, a lot of folks, not young kids, young kids are not on Facebook, but a lot of folks are on Facebook, right? And constantly keeping up to date on what's going on with a lot of different people. And I said, I waste a lot of time on Facebook and my friend said, delete it. And I did. And my life's been better for it. And I really haven't missed out on that much. I've missed out on little details of maybe people's lives, but I'm still very connected and I still have lots of people in my life and I still have lots of things going on. But we have a need, it seems to say, stay constantly up to date with kind of the news cycle, right? The kind of instant news cycle that's always coming about. And that just seems to produce more and more anxiety and less and less peace. Looked at saints of different generations. They weren't on Facebook. And while they had their own anxieties, there was, seemed to be maybe more of a, a context for a, a peaceful experience of the Christian life that maybe we don't experience so much today. 
Yeah, I think it's always important to remember that we get bombarded by national news. You know, it's it's on television, it's on news feeds, you know, through social media sites. And we always have to keep in mind that, you know, sensationalism sells, right? Yeah. Everything, every every headline that seems really clickbaity, everything that seems to suck you into drama or scandal or crisis, uh, th- that can sell and that can drive people into websites, into, into social media sites. Um, but then you always have to step back and say, okay, how much does this really impact me? I can always pray for those issues. Um, I can I can think through, you know, how how does that situation impact us here? Is there going to be a trickle down effect that will eventually reach us? I think so many times we spend an awful lot of time looking at news articles that don't have a trickle down effect to us, um, and and there can be kind of a, a morbid fascination with the the sufferings of others or the crises of others. That's not to say we ever want to turn our back towards others, especially when there's natural disasters. Um, but but just chasing after sensational news headlines, particularly if it's if really morbid topics, that can, again, rob us of our peace. And it, it doesn't let us live out the principle of subsidiarity, as you've been mentioning, to say, what is it that I can control on, my, on a local level and may have an impact in? And how is it that I'm enacting the gospel on a local level? Um, Am I am I actually reaching out to my brothers and sisters and acting like Jesus to them here and now? And if not, how much energy is being spent on national worrying? Yeah. You know, three things kind of come to mind that I think can offer this, can maybe bring this to a practical level. How do we actually live this, right? We can just say that. We can say, hey, focus more on your family, focus more on your parish. How do we do that, right? Well, I was at the uh, Theology on Tap talk in uh, Boone, and one of, the, um, one of the guys who were there, he asked a really great question. He said, Father, how can I evangelize? He said, besides, you know, just like living a life that's faithful and living a, like an outwardly Catholic life, how can I evangelize? And what was cool was that I had learned that, you know, the guy he was sitting with, he was his sponsor for RCIA just a year ago, right? So it's great to see that that's actually happening in his life. But what I thought of was my, my uncle lives just down the road in another town, Perry, and my uncle actually has a great Catholic man, my confirmation sponsor. He has a weekly uh, like breakfast meeting with his coworker, he's a police officer, his friend, and his friend's Protestant pastor. And they've grown in so much friendship and so much understanding with one another. And it seems like that right there, like real one-on-one uh, friendship that grows, that's where the Christian life is lived. you know. And that reminds me of, Pope Benedict XVI, when he talked about the need for a convinced minority, he pointed out that in the life of uh, salvation history, the life of the people of Israel, there has always been this uh, choice from God for a, a, a group, a few, a small group of people. But then from that small group, there's been growth, and that's God has blessed certain groups so that there can be growth in the life of the church, and life of the world. It's so like the people of Israel, right, started with just a few. Abraham was chosen. But then from one, right, look up at the stars if you can and count the number of stars. That's your descendants, right? The apostles, there was just 12 of them. And from that, right, and the disciples, those first disciples. So in the same way, uh, to focus on what's more local, to focus on what's more immediate, to focus on what's more provincial is actually to allow God to bless us where we find ourselves and then to see the spiritual multiplication that can actually happen. Maybe just lastly to offer a scriptural reference in this Easter season that can, that can help us, right? 
because we, we do get worried about these problems in the world. So the idea isn't just to not worry about these things or just don't think about them. Stop, stop thinking about these different things that seem very important. Think about the road to Emmaus and those disciples who are walking on the road. They are experiencing great anxiety of the things that just happened, right? And their world was pretty small, and so their world was pretty crushed that Jesus, their master, had just been killed. But I love uh, Jesus's uh, question to them when he says, he says, what are you talking about as you walk along the way? And they say, you know, are you the only person in Jerusalem who, who doesn't know what's happened, you know, these days? What sort of things, he says, right? So it, it seems like, like you just said, to pray for these things doesn't necessarily just mean to, you know, it's a petition is a really important part of prayer. But just simply relating these problems to Jesus in prayer, whether that's in the context of Mass or in, in personal private prayer, to relate the problem to Jesus is exactly what he invites those disciples to do on the road to Emmaus. He knows, obviously, what's happened because it happened to him, right? And he knows what they're thinking about. We see that in other parts of the gospel that Jesus can know their thoughts, but he wants them to tell him what's going on. And as they do, then he is able to open up the scriptures and they're able to say that beautiful line, we're not our hearts burning within us as we walked along the way and then encountered him in the breaking of the bread, right? So for us, it's important that we care about the world, that we care about the church, that we care about the well-being of people, the well-being of the world, the well-being of the church and growth, right, for the sake of evangelization and the building up of the kingdom of God. But if we're just worrying about it ourselves and things are just spinning around and we fall into that anxiety and we never actually relate it to God, then we're never actually able to allow God to then reveal to us what is his plan, right, and reveal to us the peace that he offers, right, the Prince of Peace, the risen Lord offers. Um, But he still wants us to tell him. He doesn't want us just to push it off, but he actually wants to be a part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Oh, good thoughts. I think it's really helpful to tie it back to the, the, the most basic um, relational aspects of our spiritual life with God. That is the deepest level of the principle of subsidiarity, you relating to God, one-on-one, right there, personal intimacy. That's about as basic and low level as it gets. Mm. Uh, exalted in terms of, of grace and intimacy but in terms of like structured hierarchy, you don't need anyone else but to just relate things to God. And if, if that is a foundational starting point, and that always remains a priority, far far more importantly than all the national or global crises we might have, if you're encountering Jesus there and extending the fruits of that intimacy with Jesus out on the local level first, I think it's going to help keep us a little more grounded in the midst of feeling that there's always a crisis in the world. Thanks, well, Father, for your thoughts. Yeah, Father Shane, thanks for hearing me out. And folks, we're all experiencing different difficulties, but let's remember to bring this to the Lord and maybe have a different experience of peace this Easter season. God bless. Thanks for tuning in. Send your questions and comments to outcastcatholic at gmail.com. Catch you next time, and God bless. God bless.